0: Let's open our Bibles, John chapter 9, John chapter 9, verse 1, we're going to look at uh, the chapter, this chapter is a radical chapter, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things here, we're not going to do it all in one week, thankfully, because that would be uh, too much... who do you think you are? You know, they, these, these Pharisees, the religious leaders, they, they're talking to Jesus like that. Who do you think you are? They said that to him. Who do you think you are? And they had all this attitude and insults and blasphemy, and, and his, his answer was basically, I am. Don't you have any idea who you're talking to? I am. And in that statement was a very direct statement of the, the deity of Jesus Christ, that he is God. That he is Lord, that he is Savior, he's the light of the world. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And today he is the same for you and for me. You know, the answer, as I said, is Jesus. What's the answer? What's the problem in your life? Well, Jesus is. He is. He is today as he was then. Uh, You know, let's not make the same mistake that they had. And they turned away and they rejected him. Uh, these quote-unquote spiritual leaders, these religious people. Today, though, I I want to talk about something a little bit different. As we get into chapter 9, I want to talk about suffering. I want to talk about pain. I want to talk about problems, problems in the world, problems in your life, problems in your home, problems at your job. You know, there's the reality of it. There's no getting around it. This is the reality. Is that right? Is that, the reality? is that your reality? Do you, is there any problems in your life? You can say, no, no problems in my life. Any of you, can any of you say that? One. One out of 5,000, that's not bad. You know? The truth of the matter is, you know, stuff goes on. and It's all around us. And, and we ask the question, you know, why? Why is there suffering in the world? You know, who, whose fault is it? Who can we blame? We like to do that. Do you know what I mean? We like to blame somebody. There's got to be somebody that we can blame for whatever it is that happened. It happens a lot in relationships, doesn't it? It happens in marriages. Well, if you, ha- if you hadn't done that, then I wouldn't, you know, blaming our behavior on somebody else. You know, I read this, and I, I think it's so true. Every man needs a wife, because many things go wrong that he can't blame on the government. <laughs> we, we like to blame people. We like to, to put the, you know, the fault somewhere. You can, you know, the, the, you can see, you can find stuff about this, you know, who, why do we blame people? Who do we blame? You know, who wins when we blame Does blaming actually change anything? You know, there's a little list somebody put together. Blame the job, blame the kids, blame the partner, blame the parents, blame your childhood, blame money issues, blame the government, blame the politicians, blame the microwave, (laughs) (laughs) blame the car, blame the house. Blame the noisy neighbor, blame the trains running late, blame the curry last night. Blame the shop assistant, blame the doctor, blame the drugs, blame the soccer results. Blame the war in the Middle East. You know, we can come up with a lot of stuff that we can put to blame, but, but really, is that the right question? Is that really helpful? Is that really Helpful. You know, we want to put the blame somewhere. I think the real question should be not why or how, but rather, what can God do about it? And this is something, and I really want you to think about this when you're going through it and something happens, you're ready to just say, well, you know, if so-and-so didn't do this, okay, but it's done. It's already happened. How is that going to fix it? How is that going to make it better? But now to stop and say, okay, this is where we are. This is the reality of it. God, what can you do about it? Can you do something here? Can you change something? Can you change me? Can you change the situation? Can you bring some light into this darkness? Say, okay, that's a big introduction there. Well, that's exactly what was happening here in John chapter 9. There's nothing new under the sun, Solomon said, nothing new under the sun. And what was happening, you know, back in Solomon's day was happening in Jesus's day is happening today as well. So let's go ahead and read John chapter 9, verse 1 through 5. It says, as he went along, now he he had just slipped away from these guys that wanted to stone him to death. They wanted to kill him right there, but, you know, they had no chance to do anything unless, unless God was allowing it. Verse 1, chapter 9, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This is kind of like a teaching moment, isn't it? What I I would say is a teaching moment. The disciples ask him this question. Why they thought of it, I don't know. They're walking along and, you know, Jesus notices this man. Jesus saw him. It says he saw him. His disciples saw him as well. Maybe they noticed that he noticed this blind man. Jesus cares about people for sure. I'm not so sure about the disciples. They wanted to get into some kind of a theological discussion, right? Some kind of a a figure, let's figure this out. But Jesus noticed the man, he saw him, and notice it's pretty clear, it says it twice in this passage, that he was born blind. He was blind from birth. Okay? Keep that in mind. Now, if you were the parents of this this man, and this happened, it was a, a very difficult situation. A very painful situation. But it's the reality. It's what happened. It's what it was. And so now they're face to face with it. And they're looking at it. Well, why? How? And and the disciples, they say, you know, who sinned? There's got to be somebody that we can blame. There's got to be somebody that we can put the fault on in this situation. And, And again, as I've been saying, that's kind of where we are today. Someone said this, though, about this passage. He said that, that it talks really about hurting human beings, speaking about this man, not riddles for which we have to offer some solution. It wasn't just some, you know, puzzle that, that you know, the, the, the disciples asking Jesus, Rabbi, and that rabbit word Rabbi means teacher, so teach us, help us to understand, like, what's going on here. And Jesus does something very different, doesn't he? We know the rest of the story. He heals the man. We're not going to get to that today. We're going to get to that next week. But the disciples, they're going like, you know, whose fault is this? Who did it? Now, some of you are thinking, well, I never do that. Well, I want you to think about this the next day or two. When you're ready to blame somebody, where well, your husband or your wife says something to you, and you're ready to just... Flip out or something happens. Your car breaks down. Who did this? It's that mechanic. I know it's him. (laughs) You know, you know the story of Job, right? It's very possible that the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Very interesting when what does it deal with? It deals with suffering, right? But when you read the book of Job, and it's a long book, too, it's like 40-some-odd chapters, right? And you read this, and it's just like, oh, like... But, but the deal with it is, is Job had some friends, right? His friends come along. Job's having all these problems. All this stuff happens to him, and his friends come along. And basically what they said is this, you must have done something really bad to deserve what you have gotten. Now, the truth of the matter is, when you read it, you find out it wasn't, Job didn't do anything, really. He wasn't perfect by any means, but he, he was doing everything he was, should have been doing. So they come along and say, you know, like, you must have done something, it's your, it's your fault, man. We're going to blame, if we're going to put some blame somewhere, it's on you. Now, even if it was his fault, is that going to help the situation? When someone, someone comes along and tells you say, you are really an idiot that you just did that. Well, you already know you're an idiot because you're already feeling bad that you did something so stupid and then someone comes along and says, you're, you, know, you, you really blew it, man. What's that between your ears? Empty space? You know, these kinds of things, are not helpful. The Pharisees said to this man, Later in the chapter, he says, you were you steeped in sin. You know, who do you think you, you are trying to tell us anything? Jesus, speaking in Luke chapter 13 about some things that happened to some people, and he says, do you think that, that they were worse sinners than all the others because they suffered like that? He says, I tell you, no. It's stuff happens. But what are we going to do about it? You remember in the book of Acts when Paul was uh, you know, shipwrecked on the island right, in chapter 28, and, and, and you know, he got bit by a snake, and it's a very poisonous snake. And the, and the islanders there, they knew that as soon as they saw that, they thought, this guy is a goner, right? He's done. And they said this to him. They said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. In other words... It's his fault that that happened. He got bit by the snake. Now he's going to die. It's all his fault, no matter what. He must have been a murderer because now he's going to die. Well, we know God did something in that particular case, right? Did he die? No, he still had work to do. His time wasn't up yet. Now, he he would die at some point in time, and he would die as a martyr for his faith. But it wasn't that yet. John Corson said the foundational question of all suffering is why? And that's what happened here in this passage. The disciples saying, why is he like that? Whose fault was it? And they give Jesus two options. Don't you love that? Why did this happen, Jesus? Here are your two options. Either it was him or it was his parents. That's why he was born blind. I mean, when you think about it though, the first one you know it was his own fault. he was born blind. What did he do? What sin did he commit? Well, there were some strange philosophies then, as there are now about reincarnation and and different kinds of things you know that you could sin before birth, They even looked at you know when uh uh what is it, Jacob and Esau were in the womb, you know and then and Jacob was wrestling with his brother, and he kind of got the the you know the jump on his brother kind of thing and that whole and so you know you could sin in inside the womb. And that's probably what happened, is what they're saying. Or there's this idea of pre-existent spirits. There was weird things going on then too. Jesus saying, you know, what are you, what are you talking about? Or maybe it was his parents, that's it. And some of your parents, you know, it's a hard enough thing raising kids, and you you have the guilt of it, right? You feel bad about some of the things that you did raising parents if you're already done. If you're raising them now, you're wondering, like, what in the world should I do? How am I going to do this? How am I going to navigate this? It's a pretty tough job. But well, you're going to blame your parents for everything that happens in your life? There's a lot of that going on now, too, you know. It was my parents. That's why I'm like this. That's why I do what I do. Okay. Now, maybe your parents didn't do everything right, and it's not perfect, but how long can you keep blaming your parents for everything? If you're an adult now, you need to take responsibility for my life and say, it's my life now. I'm going to do that sometime soon. You know, with Jesus, you can, you can start a new a new slate. You can start over. You can have a brand new life. That's why he says all things become new. He did that in my life 43 years ago today. So, But thinking about this, and, and again, it's not just this pickle that we want to figure out, but you know, there's a lot of sickness in the world. There's a lot of problems in the world. Are they, are they all the result of sin? Maybe, yes, maybe, no, maybe. What is it? It is an important question to think about. But in this particular case, what did Jesus say? He said it in verse 3. He said neither. You you give me two options, but neither of them are, are right. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. We want to blame, you know, everything that happens on some kind of sin or we're going to blame the devil or whatever. You know, you can't, in this case, you can't blame either, he said. So whose fault is it? When we look around the world, we see all the the suffering and the problems and the pain and the sorrow. Whose fault is it? If you're going to blame anybody, the fact of the matter is, it's a very broken world that we live in. This is not the world as it was created. Do, Do you understand that? When God created the world, he looked at it and what did he say? It's good. good. This is good. We look around and we say, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff, but we look around and say, that's not so good. You watch the news one time and you go, man, this is not so good. If you want to blame somebody, who is it? His name begins with an A. Adam. The Bible says in Romans says, you know, one man sinned, and sin entered the, the world. Now, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, you're going to read all about it, but you're also going to find that Adam blamed his wife, right? Well, that woman, and he blamed God, the woman, the woman you gave me, God. You know, we've got to blame somebody, you know, so maybe we see the blame thing happening, the very first thing, right? Genesis chapter 3, it starts right there. It's all right there. If you're going to blame somebody, but the fact of the matter, it's a very broken world and, and it's ravaged, as I said, by sin. It's ravaged by sin. And, and you know what? Until, until God creates a new heaven and a new earth, you know what? It, it's going to be this way. But that's the hope that we have when he comes and makes things right. That's our hope. Now, before I move on, though, I want to answer this question. Is it true that sometimes, though, the things that happen in our lives are a direct result of things that we do? We cause them directly. Yes, it's true. Not always, though. You can't blame anything and everything. But, but, but Paul said, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man, what? Reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. If we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap of the flesh. If we sow to the spirit, we're going to reap of the spirit. We, we're, you know, if we if we get involved in things and 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 you know some of the examples in our society, we've already talked about them: alcoholism, drugs. You know, if if a woman takes drugs while she's pregnant, that causes a lot of problems, right? It's a direct result of that. True. If, we are, if, if we're breaking the law, a law like speeding, some of you are speeding to get here today. Take your time. We'll wait for you. And something happens. It, it's a direct result of, of our behavior, of what we do. Texting while driving. Playing with fire, these kinds of things. So, so yeah, that, that is also true, but in this particular case, it wasn't the case. But even when those things happen, to just hammer people about what they did, that's not going to help. What we need to do is bring God into the picture. We need to bring Jesus into our lives. That's what's going to make a difference. I already feel bad about all the bad stuff I've done. For you to just tell me, and 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 I think some churches you go to, and and I'm not speaking about any specific church, but they talk about sin all the time and they get the sin hammer out and, and just hammer you. You're such a sinner, you're such a sinner, you're such a man. I know it. I already know that. Help me. Give me some hope, some you know, positive thing that, you know, and that's what I'm trying to get to here. And that's what happens here. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sin in verse three. He said, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life, that God would actually come in and do something, change something, bring some powerful change into the situation. That's the right question. God, what are you going to do? What do you want to do? Instead of whose fault is it? Instead of whose sin? Instead of how bad you are? I think the question should be who heals? Who forgives? Who can make things right? Who can make a change here? It's not us. Leave it to us? That's like leave it to Beaver. You know, did he fix anything? He always made it worse. Somehow they always got to the good thing in the end. There, It's one of my favorite shows anyways. This happened. It's a reality. This happened. It's happened already. It's done. So that the work of God might be displayed in his life where he would heal, where he would save him, where he would care for him. And next week we're going to look at the fact that he not only healed him physically, but he healed him spiritually as well. We're going to see that. the work of God. I looked up that word work and, and basically it means business. It means like an occupation. It means uh, you know, something that you, you're occupied with, something that you do on a regular basis, something that you're occupied with. And notice he says that this is the work of God. This is like the occupation of God. This is what God likes to do. He likes to get involved in our lives and, and change and do something in our lives. That's what he wants to do. If we let him. Can we say no? Can we stop him? Yeah. He, 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 he's not going to force himself upon us. There's certain times where he, he overrules and his, his sovereignty overrules, absolutely. But you know, on a personal level for you and I to, to, to not say no. It's an opportunity. So these things happen and it becomes an opportunity for God to do something. Rather than looking at, you know, we, 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 who can we blame? Whose fault is it? Well, God, it happened. It's the reality. So what can you do? It's an opportunity. What does God want to do? And for that to happen, we need to look to him. Now, David Guzik, uh, speaking about this, it, listen carefully because in this particular case, he heals the man. Is that always going to be the case? Is that always what God wants to do, to heal someone physically? Listen to what he said. He said, Jesus explains it's because God wants to work in and through even this, even this horrible thing. Jesus pointed away from the why and onto what can God do in this in this man's case, the specific work of God would be to heal him. But God may reveal his works in other lives, other ways. He says, such as joy and endurance in the midst of difficulty. So he's not, God isn't limited. It's like, it's like, you know, the disciples, they gave him two options. We're going to say to God, okay, God, you got to help me. And this is how, what I want you to do. This is what you must do. This is what you will do. Like that's ridiculous for us to say that. But we do. God may reveal his works in other lives, other ways, such as joy and endurance in the midst of difficulty. Maybe he wants to give you a, a joy and an endurance. You read about, uh, what is her name, Fanny Crosby, that was blind, and, the, and, and she wrote, I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of hymns. 9,000 Nine thousand hymns, thank you, Bruce. Did God heal her blindness? No, he used it in an incredible way. He he used it that that she might be fruitful for him, for his kingdom. Paul the Apostle, you know, he had some kind of a problem. Some think it was an eye problem. And, And he went to God and he'd seen people healed. He went to God. This is Paul the Apostle. He went to God and he said, you know, he prayed that God would take it away. This messenger of Satan that's buffeting me, that this thing is that's bothering me. And it says he went back three times. Well, God, you didn't quite hear me the first time. Here I am the second time. Heal me, take it away. And it it didn't happen. He goes back the third time and says, God, sit down. I want to explain something to you. I need to be healed from this. You need to do something. and This is what I want you to do. Did God do it? What was God's answer? God always answers, by the way. What was his answer? What was the first answer? Grace. No. 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 <laughs> no. Right. He, sometimes he says no. He always answers, though. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says we'll see. You know, as a parent, you say, we'll see. That's a good answer, like, to put it off. But then he, said to, he did say to Paul, he said, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. And, and Paul had a lesson. He, it was a teaching moment for Paul where, where God's grace was enough for him. And sometimes he says that for us too. That's, that's where we're going to find joy and endurance in the midst of difficulty, in the grace. my grace is sufficient, it's enough. It's enough for you. Let's look at verse 4 and 5. As long as it's day... Jesus said, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. It's kind of interesting that he speaks like that right after what he had to say. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. There's a couple of reasons. One is that it was the Sabbath day and he was going to get into trouble for that by the religious leaders for healing on the Sabbath day. But I think even more than that, he said, you know what, now is the time. Now is the day. Now is is the time I want to do something. And it really makes me think in our lives, how much time do we have? You know, How, how many earth days? Do we have? We have eternity, yeah. We're, you know, we're never going to see death. We saw that in the last chapter. We're going to live forever and ever in eternity. But how many earth days do you and I have? We don't know exactly. So what do we have? Today is the day the Lord has made. This is the day the Lord has made. Today is the day of salvation. How much time do we have? You know, and it made me think about this. You know, do we have time to spend on blaming? What what purpose does it do? Do we have time to waste on doing that? It doesn't. You know, uh, I've been married 41 years. I thank God I became a believer before I got married. <laughs> you know, because, because we say this, without Jesus, how could we do it? But, but I've learned after 41 years, you know, spending time in an argument, in a fight, does absolutely nothing. So it's better just to stop it. Let's, let's end this now. Let's pray together now. Let's just say I'm sorry and move on. God help us. Let's move on. Now, you may have to say that through gritted teeth. but you know what, we're just going to keep fighting until you realize that it was all your fault that that happened, and we're going to keep going around and around about this. How much time do we have to waste on that? How many of you have spent hours? And then you don't get any sleep during the night because of getting so wound up by what happened in that argument. No, that never happened to me, no. Absolutely Yes. How much time do we have? Jesus said his time was, was limited. His, his earth days were limited. We know he's going to you know, continue to work, but his time physically to be there was limited. And so you and I, you know, we need to take these opportunities, these times that we have. When things happen, instead of you know, getting all twisted up, and say, God, what do you want to do here? Bring God into it. Into this opportunity, this situation. John Corson said, misery always opens the door for ministry. Make the the most of every opportunity, Paul said, because the days are evil. Our time is limited in this world. And and I think that's why Jesus goes on in verse 5 to say, I while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. That we need to go to the light. The reason, you know, this this man was born blind from, from birth, he was in darkness. The problems that we face, it's darkness, it's evil, it's the stuff around us, it's stuff that happens, it's even stuff within us that's dark. We need the light. We need Jesus, the light of the world. You know, we really need to stop looking for blame, and we need to look to Jesus. I want... I want you to look at your bulletin because I, I put this quote in by Spurgeon and I want to close with that. This guy, they called him the Prince of Preachers. You know, he was, he's amazing when you read some of the things that he's written. But they really used to preach back then. When you, when you read a sermon, it could go on for like an hour and a half. And he didn't even have a microphone. And there were thousands, you know, 5,000 people, I can't remember the number, in the auditorium where he preached without a microphone. Amazing. But look what he says. Whenever you see a person in sorrow and trouble, the way to look at, at it is not to blame and inquire how they came there, but to say, here is an opening for God's almighty love. Here is an occasion for the display of the grace and goodness of the Lord. Boy, I wish I could be like that every day. I think it's something to, to shoot for, something to, to look to, something to see if we can get there, at least try. Here is an opening for God's almighty love. Here is an occasion for the display of the grace and the goodness of the Lord. This is an opportunity. For God to do something. It's not good. It's it's dark. It's blackness. It's darkness. But God can do something here. What is he going to do? I don't know. He's unlimited. He is unlimited. What he can do is unlimited. God can do all things. But we need to turn to him. And look to him. Stop looking at ourselves, stop looking at the others and blaming and accusing and trying to find some sort of person to give fault to and ask God to work. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It's powerful, it's living, it's active, it's it's able to get even to the dividing of soul and spirit, bones and marrow, getting right into the very a core of who we are and, and work there, Lord. And your word is, is alive today in me, in, in us. And I know you want to speak to us and you want to challenge us. you want to uh, take us in a better direction. And I know, Lord, that there's a lot of work to do. Even after 43 years, there's still a lot of work to do, but your word promises that you, Began a good work in me, and you will carry it on to completion, the day of Christ Jesus. That work that you've started, you will finish. So Lord, I surrender. I I bow my heart, my life before you, Lord, King. Father, there's darkness around, all around us. There's darkness in our homes, even, in our jobs. So Lord, we pray and we stop and we say, Lord, what do you want to do here? It's an opportunity for your almighty love. I don't know what it is in your life, what it is that you might be facing, but you can stop right now and say say these words. Maybe you'll, you'll forget when you leave, but, but, but right here, right now, you can say, Lord, What do you want to do with this? You want to change the situation? You want to change me? You want to change the other? Lord, you are all-powerful. You can do all things. I submit and surrender to you. Lord, I also want to pray as we close, Lord, for any who never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today is a good day. Today is the day of salvation for you, if that's you. And you can open your heart and life and say, Jesus, please come in. I open my life to you. I open my heart to you. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. Today, here, September 1st. 2019. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.